You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. This, this is a very special episode. I did something that changed my life. My, uh, my friend Rob Danson, he's in my band, by the way, and uh, he's our guitarist. And he joined this organization called Food on Foot. It's a nonprofit organization. They get homeless people off the streets. And there's a lot of different organizations, and they all do different things. And I was like, oh, great. That's, Rob, it's great that you do that. And uh, I remember one day he said, hey, I'm on my way to feed the homeless for the organization, for Food on Foot. You want me to pick you up? So I decided to go with Rob. And I think my life changed in many ways after that day. A very special episode. We got Duke Sherman, who's a volunteer for Food on Foot. He's here today. Roy Sewell is the guest. Roy, is uh, he's going to tell you about his life. And uh, we'll see how much he opens up. But I appreciate you guys, that your support. We'll have links and all these things that you can be a part of this. You could um, change someone's life. You seriously can change someone's life. This changed me. So right now, let's get inside of Roy Sewell. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. And we are at the LGBT building in Hollywood. I am with uh, Duke Sherman, who's a volunteer at Food on Foot. I'm with Rob Danson to my left, uh, who is the uh, head of marketing at Food on Foot. I am here with the star of the day, Roy Sewell. Man, you the first one that ever got it right on the who first did, who try. Who did you say? Man, it's Sea Whale, Soul Whale. I'm like, oh, that's not an O. But yeah, you don't like that. One. You don't like when people mess your nah, name up? Nah, it's okay. Like, I like when they mess it up because then I get to correct them. Then they'll be looking like, oh, man. <laughs> Roy, I met yeah. you probably, what, a couple months ago? Yeah, a couple of months ago. I feel like it's about 40 years, but yeah, a couple of months you ago. You feel like you've known me that long? You feel like it's, yeah. it's just yeah. too long. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah, and I'm only 21, so yeah. Yeah, you wish. You just <laughs> celebrated your 46th birthday. Remember we said oh, happy birthday? Yeah, you could count. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, you can count. I think I can so far. So listen, man, this story's about you, and I really appreciate you, you coming in and talking about it because, first of all, A, it's hard. It's probably hard to talk about. B, I mean, you've been through hell. Why I thought this was important is, is because there's – you know, we just talked to like 60,000 homeless people in, in Los Angeles, 80,000 in New York. There's, I mean, hundreds of thousands across the country. So it's just like it's an epidemic. And, every, you know, we focus on so many other things, like even the presidential, you know, the campaigns and all these. Homelessness is, is one of those things that get lost in the cracks. And people talk about it, but nothing ever really gets solved. You know, like I just read somewhere where, oh, they increased the occupancy in apartments where, you know, now more people can, are allowed to live in there. Like that's going to just solve it. But why I'm here is because I felt like food on foot does change lives. Right. You know, 90% effective rate. And, you know, your story is it proves that. So, Roy, you weren't homeless your whole life. You probably had things going right for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I had a lot of things going right for me for a while. Like in my younger days, I played high school basketball. Then I went from high school to college, played there two years and but the whole while I had a flip side to me that people didn't know about because I learned the art of, of being a criminal. And when, when I mean by that, they're being a smart criminal because you can have a criminal, but you don't have smart criminals. What makes criminal. a smart criminal? Because before I did anything, though, I always planned it to perfection to where I don't get caught, period. Like, there's no getting caught. There's no plan B. It's only a plan A, period. 
What year was it when you became homeless? Well, I became homeless in um, 2018. 2018? 17, really. <laughs> Why 17? Because at the end of uh, 2017, I had lost my job, which I had a great job down in Sacramento as a, um, as a maintenance guy at an apartment complex. But unfortunately, though, it was sold, and then the people wanted to move everybody out so they can build a better apartment complex, a new one. So once I lost my job, I kind of, like, lost everything. I had a brand-new 2016 Dodge Charger SRT. I had a wife at the time. Like, I had a, the perfect life of a person that got out of prison and wanted to work and become better. At the same time, though, if you're not appreciative of what God had blessed you to get, then it'll all be taken away just as fast as you got it. So when did you, were you always searching for a way out of being homeless? I mean, how long were you actually homeless for? For a year? No, I want to say a year. I'd say probably like nine and a half months, maybe ten months at the most. How did you hear about Food on Foot? Well, I heard about Food on Foot because I went to the library and I would always go to the little source meetings that they have there. They give out a lot of information, so every time they had the source at the library, I would go there. And so this time here in North Hollywood, Joan was there, and she pulled me to the Joan. Yes. Well, you know what? We should rewind. Why don't we talk about the guy that got this whole thing started? Because he was known as the Chicken Man. Yeah, that's right. Correct. This is how the, you know, the st- I remember the story the first time I heard the story. Jay Goldfinger. Goldinger, thank you for being here, Rob. But this is a guy that used to get El Polo Loco, buy a bunch from the store, open his trunk up, and hand it to homeless people. Yeah, he, he did this, from, you know, and, and somehow that organically grew into what the program is today. You know, uh, uh, he just saw a need for it, you know, and that's one of the most imp- impressive things about Jay. He saw a need and he just decided to act. Um, didn't really have any kind of long term intentions, I imagine, but it just organically grew into the program. And, and, and it's uh, now feeding over 8,400 people a year. And what, what makes it different? You know, um, from from my perspective, what what makes it different really is just that mutual accountability uh, the program uh, creates. Um, you cannot help someone without re- them being receptive, and and the the program motivates or finds people who are motivated to turn their life around and help motivated people to want to turn their life around, and then hold them accountable. Um, there's things they have to do. They're, you know, we hold them accountable to uh, certain milestone accomplishments that they have to reach, and and then also. Um, I honestly feel like uh, people feel they take the program a lot more seriously and they feel more uh, sense of pride and reward when they work for it themselves. And and it's not just handed to them. If you work for something and you bust your butt and you make it happen, you're going to, you know, think twice before you let it go than if someone just handed to you, you know. So um, that's that's probably the, the biggest proponent of the program that makes it very effective. Right. And, you know, when I look at Roy, I look at someone who's always been motivated. Are you one that just throws pride out the window? You're like, whatever it takes? Yeah, I mean, pride, we all have some type of pride. But at the same time, though, pride can either help you or hurt you at the same time. Think about other people's situation and how I done been there. And then I take my own pride. I'm like, okay, how can I use this to help me to advance farther now? Food on foot, you know, they use the term high-functioning. Yeah. People who are high functioning. Yeah. The government, Rob, maybe you can elaborate on this. The government gives money to people who are mentally ill, those homeless people and others. But the people who are high functioning, would you say they get lost in the mix? They, they call it acuity. And so there's like the high acuity are the are are the people who are, uh, you know, have a lot of uh, uh, 
a lot of drug drug addiction and um, you know mental health um, problems as well. And so uh, the the problem is is that the the newly homeless and like you just heard from Roy who said that you know he was only really homeless for about nine months. These are the people that. Uh, are that really kind of fall through those cracks from other nonprofit organizations and and the government organizations and um, what ends up happening is uh, they get forgotten and what happens is really they kind of slip and become chronically homeless after several years and so what we like to do is what we say is that we catch these people before they slip into chronic homelessness which actually saves a lot of taxpayers' money because it is a lot more expensive and a lot more difficult to uh, rehabilitate someone once they've been on the streets for years and years and years. You catch these people before they fall into a deeper hole, so to speak. So I want to talk about how, really talking about how Food on Foot works, because I think a lot of people are listening and are going, okay, we have homeless, we have organizations that help. What does this organization do that's different from all the other organizations? And I'm homeless. What do I do, and how does it all start? Um, so, yeah, so there's uh, two major parts of the program, right? So the Sunday f- uh, serving program, um, where we feed anywhere from 150-plus people every Sunday, um, 8,400, like I mentioned, over the course of a year. During the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, that number can easily exceed over 300. Um, um, so that's that's one aspect of the program. But one of the other pillars of the program is the Work for Food program. And the Work for Food program is um, essentially as a, as a new participant, you come in, you start as a green shirt. Um, you're showing that you want to be here. You're showing that you want to um, turn your life around. And as a green shirt, you're, there's responsibilities that you have to perform. Um, part of those responsibilities is showing consecutively every Sunday, 20 weeks in a row, um, uh, going through the community, picking up trash. Uh, we also give them uh, uh, trash routes in the morning that they have to go through and execute on the, uh, on a daily basis as well. Um, so they, they got to work, work for it. They got to work for it. They got to work for it. What, yeah. what, uh, what if happens if someone misses a week? Well, we'll still keep you in the program, obviously. So it's um, we're, we're not kicking people out of the program for anything like that. But what can happen is that can add to how long or add to your how long you're going to be a, a gray shirt a green shirt for um so it might keep you in the program for another week i imagine rob can probably tell you more about that but but you're going to have to make up for it just like if you miss class you know you got to you got to uh, make up for your assignment so to speak and what are you some doing kind of you're, you're, uh, you come in the morning whatever work they give you there's also lectures or seminars and things like that there's also lectures or for example before they go for their route they meet together uh they they meet with our program director someone else we haven't mentioned who's absolutely awesome is Kelsey and um, uh, Kelsey pretty much she she meets with them talk talk to them about um, give them resources things necessary for them to be successful um, Rob can probably tell you a lot more about the resources she has uh, they have available to them but um, um, after after they meet uh, talk about their week um, um, make sure they have all the necessary resources they need to um, uh, continue with the program um, then they go on the routes and and, and they have to perform their routes. We reward them on a weekly basis for for positive attitude. Um, we, you know, if you have a really positive attitude, we we incentivize you that behavior um, um, to continue. But With once like, you like Ralph cards, things like Ralph that. cards, um, bus cards. Um, it can be a, a car to Chipotle. Um, just and things Roy, to you encourage the behavior. These are things that you did for many weeks. Yes. Yes. 
I'd like to kind of add to that. So what we do is we operate on what we like to call is the trust first model. Uh, a lot of homeless people that are out there, I mean, they lose a lot of trust. They lose trust within themselves, but they also lose trust within other organizations that are uh, promising to help them out. And the, the reality of the matter is that there's a lot of organizations that promise people um, resources and apartments and uh, uh a lot of other things out there and the funding just comes really, really slowly. And um, we operate on somewhat of a different level because we don't take any sort of uh, government funds and it's all independent funds. And what that really means is that we can provide high quality care without sort of bureaucratic restrictions and red tape. And so when someone needs something immediately, uh, we can actually give it to them. And so uh, with trust first, um, like I said, not only is it uh, trust within um, themselves, like self esteem and confidence, which is one of the very first things that we focus on, but it's also showing participants in the program, you know, people like Roy, that they can really trust us as as an organization. Ultimately, it's the green shirt, showing motivation, showing up every day, doing whatever you can. I want an apartment. I want to have a job. I want to have the life that I deserve. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, success happens when preparation meets opportunity. You know, so they're preparing, they're preparing themselves to, you know, to, like Rob said, be able to trust themselves, trust their own word, trust their own ability. And, you know, after going through that process and um, creating those positive habits, that's probably been lacking, you know, for, for a period of time. Um, then we, we, we see that and we, and once that person matures to that, you know, state, then the opportunity is that's where we come in. We provide them the opportunity to get a full-time job, uh, permanent housing, no roommate, uh, fully furnished, uh, take care of all their living expenses for a period of time until they accumulate $5,000 in savings. And then we have a graduation for them. And then at this person, you know, at this point, they're, you know, been working a full-time job now for probably five to six months. Um, They've been um, living in their own home for a while. Um, They're they're on the right path. And they have a little bit of a nest egg in case, you know, emergency. We all know life, you know, situations can happen right yeah, yeah. but so that's five thousand dollars that they're giving you guys checks every they give jay i see yeah, them hand the checks yeah. at the end of that when it, they reach five thousand boom we turn around open a savings account um, five thousand yeah. dollars back to them absolutely this is your nest egg you have an apartment you have a job hey yeah and absolutely. what i notice is these people that graduate they come back like roy that's always here to help i didn't know that i could survive off of seventy five dollars a week and now I only spend $75 a week. Like, my bank account ain't going to tell you how much in it, but it, it's a lot now. Like, I've been at my job for almost um, nine months, and I got over $10,000 in it, put it that way. And I still pay my rent and pay whatever bills I have easily. People ask me, like, why you haven't got a car? I say, I do got a car. I got plenty of cars. I can go get on the 12 bus, the 212 <laughs> bus, right. the, the, the subway. I can go get on the red line. It's like I have all this transportation here. That's how you save you money. You know what I'm, I'm looking at? I'm looking at you, and I'm going, this is exactly why you graduated so fast. It probably, was he the fastest one to graduate? I don't even know that. He, was, he, he definitely one of them. Yeah. So once you're a green shirt, Rob, you become a gray shirt. Now, this is, this is a bit. How long do people wait to become a gray shirt? 
So really, so so the green shirt stage, uh, like like Duke was saying, is uh, really it's a it, you have to show up to the program for twenty consecutive weeks. But it's not only just showing up. I mean, it's it's really kind of going through all of the different um, workshops, um, which has which uh, the, the workshops. What they do is they give people what we like to call as a life skills education. And so that's anything from like mock interview training for the jobs that we will eventually help them find, money management skills for once they start to receive those paychecks um, and also crisis management as well because you know there's a lot of people that you know living on the streets there's a lot of PTSD and depression and and just it's just hard times and uh, they really need someone to talk to and what a lot of times what people end up what a lot of graduates and people uh, from this program start to say is that this isn't just a program this is a family and this is why people like like Roy like to come back. And so they really volunteer their time and uh, show the uh, incoming participants um, kind of social proof that uh, if if they work hard and they show up to the program and they do this and that, um, that they too will be able to get a full-time job in their own apartment. And that really happens after 20 consecutive weeks. Now, there's probably a lot of questions out there and you guys are thinking, okay, they become a green shirt, green shirt then they become a gray shirt. But there's a lot of things that go on with gray shirts. Like the, it's not just a, an absolute trust, I would say. It's more like, hey, you have to be sober for 60 days. Once you're a gray shirt, for in order for you to even enter the program, they do even drug testing. Shirt, you know, drug even testing. as even as a green shirt, for you to enter the program, you have to. They go through drug testing, and and um and they also do a, a background check. But the but the like Rob was saying that the the background check is more based on trust. Um, there's nothing that. Um, can stop someone from entering the program based on their background, but we want you to tell us. We want to know um, um, what's in your background, essentially. And if you if you're honest, um, then that's that's fine. We can work with you. Government doesn't give you any any funds, right? There's nothing. This is all uh, an organization that just relies basically on donations and what's called the ninety eight dollar club. Yeah, the the ninety eight dollar club uh, program. And I'm a member. Yep. And so you should, I. too, listen yeah. to this because it's so important. You know, my whole thing is when you hear this story, it's $98 a month. And you, when you see that this actually turns people's lives around and saves them, it's like $98. All my asshole friends, what do we do? We go to Jack in the Box. We spend 20 bucks a week on some crap, things that we don't need. And when you look at it and you go, wow, this could actually save someone, give someone an opportunity to change their life. It's so easy to do this. So many people you can really help. And this isn't like, again, one of those organizations that – um, just goes, oh, give us money, and you don't know where it's going to. There's so many of those. Even like with the uh, the hurricanes, and yeah. then it's like, oh, don't give your money to these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, make sure you give it to. Everything goes to the people who are trying to save, uh, you know, to change their lives. So tell you know, us about that. you know, um, and that's funny you said that, Michael. My wife and I, um, prior to joining, we we're just, you know, once, you know, once a quarter, like most, you know, people, you you do an audit on your finances and kind of see where you're spending most of your money. And we're sitting there and we're just budgeting for, you know, future plans and and looking at some of our expenses. And we're spending about fifty bucks a week on Starbucks. You know, fifty bucks a week on Starbucks, and and I mean, it just it, we just realized there's so much waste in in what we do on a daily basis, weekly basis, and so forth. And and there's a great massive opportunity and need out there for you to you know be smart about your finances and give back to your community because you may not think it's going to impact you now, but in the long run, everything we do, we're all connected. It is going to impact you eventually. And um, so that just motivated us. We looked and we said, ninety eight bucks a month. Oh, this is an honor to be able right. to, you know, just not be so wasteful and take some of the, you know, the, 
the, the money that we can easily, you know, we're blowing at, you know, Starbucks and fast food and wherever else, right? And be able to use that same money to literally change somebody else's life. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, I got here, I was, you know, somebody came up to me, like, I know everything. I don't, I'm just, I'd be coming for a couple months or whatever. And I'm like, they're like, oh, so is the, all the foods donated? I'm like, no, Jay, the organization buys the food. First of all, it's illegal. If somebody got sick, they could sue El Polo Loco or whatever. So Jay buys all the food, all the snacks. There's tons of people bringing all these clothes in. And one of the main reasons, and um, from, from, from my experience, from what I heard, is um, the reason why he buys most of the food, and, and, and it's not through donations. Nothing wrong with donations. It's just that it's not consistent. And you can't, it's not, you, there's no way you can hold someone accountable to donating. And, and like Rob stated, and we, we keep repeating, is um, this program is based on trust. Um, the homeless community, folks, when they come here on Sunday, they are expecting a certain kind of experience. And be, to be able to deliver that experience every Every single time, week after week, becomes it's probably the cornerstone of the program, I would say. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Jay likes to maintain certain controls um, to, to be able to create the same level of consistency on a weekly basis. He really likes to see volunteers come out. He said something to me that it's sort of like when someone says, mm, I don't think you have, you're capable of uh, playing on this team. And you're like, what? He said something like, yeah, a lot of people who join the $98 club, they usually donate and then they never come back. But they donate, but they don't come back. And I'm glad he said that. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to come out here. But now after seeing your face and seeing Roy and seeing these people are becoming, it's almost like you're, you're right. There is like this family essence and you, you see something that works and it's getting out of your own head. It's getting out of your own day. It's like going, hey, I'm going to give back. I'm going to stop thinking about my fucking self. I could say that, right? It's my yeah. podcast. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, um, you know, the goal, the goal for someone like Roy and Eric actually graduated last week and he yeah. said something to me that was very touching. You know, um, there was times in the, in, through his process of being a green shirt and, and, and trying to grow and and become more and more responsible there was times where where it was trying you know he was going through adversity and he thought about quitting and a lot of these people when they come out and they see the same faces and they're around the positive energy like Roy said when he first came in you know there was like a, a he saw TV cameras he saw you know successful individuals you know creating you know their own destiny and just being around that energy is very motivational a healthy motivational. environment, a healthy environment. environment right. and and for a volunteer for me from my perspective it it helps with perspective. It gives you perspective. When you see someone, um, you think you're, you're having a bad day. Like you said, Michael, you know, in the, in your intro, you know, here you are, you're thinking you having this, this day, you know, a woe is me. And then you come to a program like this and you see someone literally turning their life around someone who was sleeping, um, underneath a bridge. And by the end of the day, they're checking into their, uh, apartment, you know, uh, for the first time, fully furnished. Yeah. I mean, you, when you go back to your situation, you, you have a new found new perspective, perspective. Yeah, yeah. on, on your life and the things that are important to you as well. So what's, it's, what's it's it really a win-win for each person to go through a program like this. What does the organization need to make for that one individual who graduates the program? So, I mean, the, the costs vary per, per individual, but really on average, it's about $15,000. And so, um, it's, it's the program's a nine-month program, and so that really covers um, the 
like all of the workshops that that our program directors do, but then also uh, the rent that we help uh, provide when they are in that halfway stage, which is called a gray shirt stage. And so we we help them with their rent. Uh, we get them a monthly bus pass. We give them um, a cell phone, um, food gift cards, and then also like little things too that that they need just to really uh, have that confidence and survive in their job. So any little things could be like eyeglasses or haircuts or if they need work clothes for their new job or work boots. Los Angeles is a really hot city. So, so, and, and a lot of the apartments don't have, you know, central air. So we help people with like AC units because, um, you know, people do need to sleep well and, and be comfortable. And, you know, and if you're, uh, running around working all day and, uh, you're super exhausted, I mean, the last thing you want to do is go home to a boiling hot room. So, so that's kind of how we help them out. Uh, I'm going to read you something real quick. On Tuesday morning, county officials released the results of Los Angeles' 2019 homeless count. According to the report, which was compiled by the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, LAHSA, the number of Angelinos living in tents, vehicles, and shelters increased by 12% in the county and 16% in the city since 2018 count, raising the total number of homeless Angelinos to 58,936 and 36,300 respectively. So there's so many people around us that just need help. And why aren't there more organizations? Is that the goal? Is that the goal to get as many more food on foots out there across the country? And how hard, I mean, it's a stupid question. It sounds stupid, but like only you would know. Cause like if I'm sitting with my friends and I'm like, Oh, Hey Rob, what's it like to be homeless? I assume it's not fun. Roy, tell me how unfun being homeless is. Well, the most unfun about being homeless is the dangerous of being homeless. And what I mean by the dangerous of being homeless, imagine sleeping on a sidewalk, especially by a highway, and a car loses control. You sleep. Life is ended. Imagine sleeping in the woods, snake get on you, spider get on you, rats get on you, somebody just happened to be walking through and might see something they want. You wakes up and fight happen like homeless is never a safe place period nowhere like people think oh yeah it's a whole group of them they're all right because they're sleeping in tents no it's very dangerous i don't see people get beat up for nothing just like laying down going to sleep group of kids walk by ain't got nothing better to do high or whatever the case may be and just jump on the people start kicking them and everything I only had one goal, and that's to, to make it off of the streets. I never thought about anything happening to me. I never thought about about um, what if this happened or what if this happened. I just kept faith in God that something good is going to happen to me, and I kept that faith. I, I never gave up hope about getting off of the streets, and that's what happened with a lot of homeless people. They give up hope about getting off of the street. In closing, I want to ask you guys a question each. All right, because I think this is important. One, Roy, what would you say to people listening right now who are doubting or thinking, oh, another organization, I don't – what would you say to them to convince them that this works? Well, I can't really say anything that would convince them to say that it really works. What happens is, right – when your eyes see something, that's what you believe in. So if you encourage them to just come take a look at it for themselves, then that's when they'll get that greater feeling like you did. Like once you came, like look at you now, like you're here almost every Sunday like me. So that's, that's the because key, of you. Right. And that's the key. And that's the key thing about this program. Once you see it, you can believe it your own self.
Duke, where do people go to find Food on Foot online? www.foodonfoot.org. Um, so before, um, just in closing, I just want to take a quick second to um, acknowledge uh, Jay Goldinger again. Um, this guy started this program 23 years ago. He's been coming consistently every Sunday. Um, rain, snow, it doesn't matter. He's here on Sunday. And it's it's hard to find um, anyone, I mean, out there with that level of persistence and perseverance to to serve, you know. And and he's he's a great inspiration in my personal, in my life, you know, um, just seeing what he's been able to do and what he's been able to put together and the, the outcome of this program. You know, uh, Roy is a product of this program, and, and there's so many other um, um, names that we can, you know, share with you that that's doing well, and their life has changed because of it. This has a 85% success rate. Programs, uh, government programs helping homeless folks, 15% success rate is the national average, you know, so 85% of success rate, it works. And when you come, you see it working before your very eyes. You see people coming in, you you know, shy, timid, and blossoming into this, you know, strong, developed, confident personality. They take a holistic approach uh, to to um, changing individual lives. We're not just throwing money at the problem like most organizations do. Um, we take a holistic approach uh, from, you know, from mentally, spiritually, physically. And, and I think that's what, what makes the program work. So, yeah, absolutely, guys. Once again, if you're looking to be part of an organization at work, we highly, you know, invite you. We want you to go check us out, uh, foodonfoot.org, and you're, you're more than welcome to come see what we're doing here. Yeah. I don't know what else to say other than that. I mean, Rob, do you have anything to say? I really want to thank, um, thank you, Michael, for um, all the hard work that you've been doing. I mean, ever since I introduced you to, to Food on Foot several – I mean, I think it's been about like six months now, something like that. Um, and you came out. I mean, I just saw how – how much, you know, Food on Foot has impacted you and how much you wanted to help. You know, you're always calling me up saying like, hey, I'm coming out on Sunday. I'm coming out on Sunday. I want to volunteer. I'm going to volunteer. Uh, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and you know, you're, you're coming out and then you're also bringing your friends out as well and you're really spreading the word. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's amazing. And, um, I mean, you're a, you're a wonderful person for doing all this and a great friend. I just want to say thank you. Yeah, he almost made oh, me cry. <laughs> he almost made me cry. Did you oh, see yeah. it? I was getting a little emotional. I was like, I can't, I, can't, I can't do it right now. But I, I was. I was getting a little bit. There's a word that I don't use a lot because it's a big word. Uh, altruism comes to mind. And I look at a guy named, like uh, Jay Goldinger, but he's so consumed in getting people off the streets and turning people's lives around. You know, it's it's one of those things where, like, I remember I've said this before in a podcast. Remember, I told you the hockey player Mark Messier said it's not character is not based on what you do when the cameras are rolling when everybody sees you. Like, hey, look, I'm feeding the homeless, man. Look, I went down. It's what you do when the cameras aren't rolling. It's what you're doing when you go hug someone on the street, like you said, who you know is homeless and talking to him and things like that. And it's just like those are the those. That's humanity. I thank all of you guys today, Roy, Duke, Rob. For being here, and I, I just I hope people listen, and I hope eventually this gets better and better, because I think you know people deserve a second chance. There's a lot of people that want it, and so they're relying on us as fellow human beings to sometimes step up. And like they both said, Roy and and, and Duke said, all you got to do is come down to Schrader Street in Hollywood, behind the LGBT building on a Sunday at three o'clock 
And I think you're going to have a, a better, not only a better understanding, but you're going to open, your heart's going to be open a little more than it was. I guarantee you that. So uh, thank you, Roy, Duke, Rob, for allowing me to be inside of you today. Thank you guys for being here. This has been great. <laughs> Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.